all the effective leaders I have encountered, both those I worked with and those I merely watched, knew four simple things. A leader is someone who has followers. Popularity is not leadership. Results are. Leaders are highly visible. They set examples. Leadership is not rank, privilege, titles, or money. It is responsibility. Peter Drucker. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Uh, Today, we're getting into uh, an episode that Ed and I have discussed many times and we've thought about on multiple occasions. It's called pay the bill for leadership capital. And I will tell you, actually, Ed is the one who brought this to my attention. And it's probably one of the most important things you can think of as not only a leader, but also an influencer. But what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go through different steps and areas that are considered paying the bill. And also on the other side are considered leadership capital. I got to admit, first, I, I heard the term leadership capital. You know, I've heard it years uh, and then one of the non-commissioned officer NCO forums on Facebook, I saw somebody post something about leadership capital and it really, it really caught my attention. It resonated with me. I, I thought it was a really interesting, it was guidance. They were given guidance, but they talked about the leadership capital and paying the bill. And then when I started researching it more to kind of get it as a show, I was like, oh, there's actually some published stuff out there about leadership capital. And maybe it's a little different than where we would go given our background. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's important to understand too. Absolutely. Uh, and we're going to jump right into this because we don't want to waste time on the importance of this and what people can gain and learn from this. Uh, right off the bat, paying the bill for leadership capital, you have to be able to be aware of humility on your part and those you're with, along with the group dynamics. You know, humility that comes in so many forms. And sometimes people mistaken humility for being uh, a stepping stone for others. That's nearly what, that's not what it is. It's being able to accept things. Yeah. Well, you got, yeah. And you got to, I mean, you don't want somebody to walk all over you because then you lose your leadership power, your leadership base, no matter if you're military, civilian, whatever. And the family, if you let people walk over, you're going to lose that power base. So you have to understand uh, understand that. But humility is very important because a lot of times uh, leaders lack that, that ability to, uh, you know, to exercise humility. Absolutely. And and that's a key, that's a key point of it. But what we're also going to have to keep aware of is group dynamics, because every group is different. Every person is different and different people, they create this dynamic within that group. We actually teach that now at at the school that I'm still at right now, that group dynamics, how it goes about and how you build that group, that's very key and very important. Yeah, I didn't realize the impact one person could have. So uh, like you said, when I was there with you, 16 students in a class and you have one student who unfortunately they fail something or maybe they get injured and they get removed from the course and you can actually see the class take a step back. Like, you know, like they're missing something and they are, they're missing whatever that person's personality, whatever they brought to that team, they're now missing it. 
And so I, I didn't believe in it at first. And then when I started teaching, I kind of saw it and I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I can see it happening. That's it. You know, and then to be able to understand the idea that you're going to pay an unspoken bill to be an actual leader. You know, people don't realize that when they become a part of that group and they show that humility, they actually have to kind of pay their way to earn their right to lead. Too many people think, well, I'm stepping into this and I'm going to be the leader and they force it. And you can't really force it because this is also it enables us to build that leadership capital, which trans basically translates into influence. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right. And I can think of many situations where I've moved into a, a position of leadership and you want to go in there guns blazing and take charge, but it doesn't always work out like that. Now, there are instances I've been in where maybe I follow a less than stellar leader and it's a little easier to get in there right away. You have capital just based off of how terrible that person was. So that does add to it. it makes it much easier. I would prefer it. Unfortunately, that's not the norm. It, it kind of doesn't happen like that usually. Yeah, exactly. Um, too many times what we do is we mistaken a leader as actually being a leader. And sometimes they're not really the leader. It may be you or it may be somebody else. And I can tell you um, in the past, I've actually met people where they're they're considered to be kind of like the unspoken leader or the the informal leader of an organization, and that can actually cur cause a lot of turbulence. So, as the influencer coming in, the leader coming in, we have to be able to learn how to pay that bill for that capital. A key thing, though, uh, you and I have used this term many times. It's basically you don't pay that bill through likership. Because likership is something completely different. Instead, is doing what is right by the organization and the people, not doing what you think everybody wants so they'll like you. Yeah, and you know, some of that comes from growing up, right? So in high school, you wanted to be the most popular kid. You want everybody to like you. And then you move along. And, now, and another challenge is now you move into the military or whatever, and you're one of the guys, right? One of the soldiers, one of the people at your company. You're just, you're the worker bee. And then a promotion happens. And now those same guys that you were hanging out and making jokes with and talking about, you know, what happened in the latest Washington Capitals game. Now you're in charge of them and you got to separate yourself and you got to understand the difference between leadership and likership. They're not always going to like you. That's just it's not possible. Sometimes you're going to tell them to come in on Saturday and file reports. And sometimes you're not. And, and that's the difference. Let me ask you. Ed, um, so I had this happen to me. Uh Basically, and maybe, and maybe you can, you've had it happen to you, but uh, back a long time ago, because it's many years ago, uh, the first time I was in Korea back in 2000-ish, uh, we had a, a group of us. There was about four of us. We were all E4 specialists together, and one of them got promoted. When that one got promoted, his attitude and everything changed, and the other two guys, and I think I've mentioned this before, but... The other two guys, they were very accepting of it. I had a hard, I really had a hard time understanding why did he change? Why is he so much like this? And I didn't realize that he had to take on a new role and he was actually earning his leadership capital um, by paying that bill of a young sergeant. You know, multiple times people say all the time that those who get promoted from being within the ranks to running the ranks, no matter where you are, whether it be in an organization, a business organization, or whether it be, uh, you know, in the military, that's the hardest position to take on is going from within the ranks to running the ranks. What do you say? 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. So I, I had a little bit more fortunate event because, uh, so when I became a sergeant, there was a group of us, there was five, four of us together and we all became sergeants one right after the other. So there was a small lag, but like one guy got promoted in the next month, the next guy, and then two months later, the next guy. So you, we, we all took those leadership uh, roles together but no, you're completely right. There are times that it's hard to make that separation out. Obviously, in the military, you can be moved to another unit. And once you become a sergeant, it would make it, it would ease that that problem. But in a job in the civilian world, you can't do that. You can't just say, "Oh, you're a manager now, so let me move you." No, they make them managers, and then they keep them in that store, in that business, or whatever. And it's very, very challenging. Absolutely. Well. And that's where we're going to go with today's episode. Um, we're going to look at paying the bill for leadership capital, but we're going to do it through a structured format in a sense. Well, first, what we're going to do is we're going to go over five factors of individual domain of leadership rating index. And then we're going to go over the five factors of the organizational culture, because you have to understand each, you as a leader and the organization you're dealing with. And that will enable you to understand how to pay that bill for that leadership capital. And what it does is it creates an organization that's more conducive to everyone and it creates performance and not just regular performance. It creates outstanding performance. All right. So let's jump right into this. Five factors of individual domain. We'll go with number one. It's personal proficiency, which is realizing you have ownership over everything. Okay, so basically you're saying it's realizing that I'm in charge now and then trying to figure out where you want to go as an individual and with your team. Is that basically what you're getting at with? Oh, absolutely. And if you think about it, uh, we've we've often referenced one of our favorite books together. We talked about it during the book show uh, was Extreme Ownership. And that's where you have to you have to be able to realize, you know, and have that personal proficiency in understanding your ownership in the whole entire piece. You know, you have, let's just say, for instance, you are promoted within this organization. Originally, there was five of you that were working in a, a small section. Now, you're the one who is promoted as the manager. Okay. And because of that, now you have to basically own what everything was going on. So let's look at it this way. Let's say uh, the four people that were involved there, you, let's just say you maybe have a marketing person, you have a, a design person, you have a administrative assistant, and maybe possibly uh, a sales guy, right? All these people, you have to understand all that versus before you just had to know your job. All right. you, that's all you had to understand. So now you have to have some ownership. And how do you get ownership of what everyone else is doing? Well, um, you know, it's been a long time since I've been in the civilian sector, but I can tell you, so I took over a, a organization where I had never worked before and it had uh, several sections, five sections. And I did not understand any of these sections. I hadn't been there. I knew the gist of it. It was logistics. So I know logistics. And what I did is uh, I went to each section and I spent a week or two in that section with my subordinate soldiers working side by side with them. That's important. We're going to come right back to that. We worked side by side, but so the, the subordinate soldier was teaching me because I was humble enough to say, okay, I don't know this, but you're going to show me and then I'm going to know it. Now I did trick the soldier. I said, Hey, what do you do every day? Well, how do you do that? They thought I was testing them, 
But in reality, they were teaching me. And the working side by side, that built some loyalty and trust in that soldiers, that group of soldiers and me, because they're like, well, he's in charge and he's down here sweating and working just like me. And that built my capital with them. Absolutely. And and that's what it is. It's, you know, getting in there and understanding. Now, some people will confuse that though. And I've seen it before where you're getting in their business, so to speak, and they don't realize you just want to understand the dynamic. Some people actually confuse this as micromanagement, but there's a difference between micromanagement and trying to understand. Trying to understand is asking the right questions to see what is going on and how you can further help them when they need it. Micromanagement is more like asking the questions and constantly pinging them every second to get more information and then throwing more stuff at them that you want them to do versus Jim, here's the task for you today in marketing, or here's the task for you today in, uh, in stocking, uh, you know, resupply. Just get back to me. Let me know what you think. And if you need any assistance and then every once in a while you, you, you talk to them, uh, and, and it allows you to create a, build a relationship, which we're going to get into that part. And you have anything else on the uh, personal proficiency, Ed? No, I think we, we, we really covered it. Like I said, it's very important to understand. And it, so like what you were saying, we have to understand what they do because how can I know if there's a mistake made if I don't understand what's going on? So when you have that, like you said, four different jobs, but now I'm in charge of all of them, still have to gain that knowledge uh, and I have to make myself better to do that. Absolutely. Well, that moves us on to step or number two, which is strategist. And with the strategist, it's really fine details in creating a vision for the people you're dealing with and communicating, not only communicating the vision, but communicating and creating an open environment of communication. So what do we mean by vision? Well, I would definitely tell you it's where are you going with the job, the task, the organization, but as a leader, you don't give a small vision. You give a larger vision. For instance, let's go back to what I gave. I gave four jobs, one leader. So with that, that leader would give a vision that affects all four other departments or all four other uh, people within that group that they achieve the overall organizational goal, which may be to uh, improve sales, to reach out to more people, to do better coaching, consulting, whatever it is you're doing. And we can do that. We do the same thing in the military all the time. You know, we have, uh, we have, you know, our visions, metal tasks, things like that, to help us understand what our overall goal is. What do you got, Ed? Well, I'm going to go back. Uh, we like to talk about books and, and we do a lot of reading, but Sounds to me like you're saying we need to understand and be able to provide the why. Absolutely. Uh, and we talk about that book starts with why by Simon Sinek, right? So we need to <clears throat> we need to have that understanding of the why, but we also need to understand how we're going to get there and what it is we're trying to achieve. And I think that really, to me, seems like that would fall to the strategist. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's creating that vision because if they know why, they know the vision and. All you have to do as the influencer, because we're going to keep using influencer and leadership interchangeable. So everybody knows that when you're listening to this, but as a leader or an influencer, your ability to constantly, 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 I can't say it enough to communicate that vision will allow to keep their sights to stay the course on that vision. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, it's so important to understand 
you know, I can do mindless work, but I can do mindless work with a little more purpose if I understand why I'm doing it. Like, you know, if it's repetitive, so I ran a retrograde operation and my soldiers were counting everything, washers, bolts, nuts, whatever. Well, why do we have to count every single one? Well, that's easy. We're going to put them back into the army system. We're going to save the army money for every $5 bolt because an aircraft, you know, sometimes they're about they're sometimes are way more than that. But for every $5 bolt, you're putting $5 back into the army's budget. That's why. So the soldier gets that now, right? Big picture. Make them understand. Yep. Absolutely. And that's it, man. It's it's really it's being able to strategize that. And what you did, what you said to them, you were giving them overarching detail of what you're doing. And then they realize, oh, what I do matters. And they tend to take ownership and work a little bit harder. Uh, I've seen it and I've seen it multiple times, you know, and sometimes people don't accept that. And that's the sad case. But you will you as an influencer will understand that. Uh, those of you listening, uh, you'll see it. You'll understand when somebody is not accepting to that way. And, you know, I hate to say it. Sometimes those people are just not a good fit for your team. And, hey, you have to let them go, you know. Um, but we'll talk more about, about the people, man, you know, and whatnot. Uh, let's move to number three, executor. Number f- the fi- five factors of individual domain leadership rating index. Executors number three. Basically, get stuff done as stated. What do you think? Uh, so to execute, make things happen. Now, I'm going to tell you, I when I was a young leader, I was not good at this one because I I made things happen and, and you know, and I met my goals. My problem was I made things happen. I did not make the soldiers make things happen. Sometimes we feel like it's just easier. I, I can do it myself. And we push the soldier to the side. One, we're not teaching the soldier anything or that subordinate because it's not all military, right? But we're not teaching that we're not teaching that subordinate anything if we just do it. All right. It's easier if you want to use your knowledge to get something done faster like that. Okay. Come sit here and I'm gonna talk you through and you're gonna execute it. Because at least then they're getting some hands-on, right? And I was not very good at that. I was a very much a I'll just do it myself. You go do this other thing that means nothing. I'm going to do this and make the timeline. And that's a failure on my part that I had to learn. And I learned uh, a little bit later in my career. Oh, yeah. Hey, I agree completely with you. I actually am on that same. I was in that same boat. And I've I've still made that even now after 20 years, I still make that mistake every once in a while, you know, and not stepping back and giving them the mission. So I completely understand. And, you know, what I like to go further with this whole get stuff done, you know, as stated is also. If you're an influencer and you say, hey, you've got this, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to do these things, then you do them. You do not realize, oh, I'm in over my head and then pawn them off on someone else because that is where you're going to lose a lot of leadership capital. You are going into the negative and that whole paying the bill, that's not happening. And that, that you know, some people do that, you know, uh, it's sad, but it happens. Yeah. So the other thing, especially with leadership capital. So if I tell you, I'm going to do this, this, Hey, come in Saturday and get those reports out. And I'm going to comp you a day next week. And then next week comes and we go Monday through Friday and you haven't been comped a day. I just lost uh, faith in, or you just lost faith in me as a leader. And I just lost some of that capital I had built up because I failed to do what I said I was going to do. 
And it could be more than just that. It could be anything. It could be, you know, I'm going to really fight for you to get that raise. And then I don't or whatever it is. Now I look dishonest. Now you're questioning my integrity. So so much to it. And then now I've hurt my own uh, leadership capital I had built up. So the next time I ask you to come in on Saturday, guess what you're going to say? Yeah, no, I'd rather not. I got something to do or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've lost that faith that I'm going to comp you. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? It's funny you brought up that situation because I seem to remember a situation with you and I (laughs) uh, where I kind of said the same thing, but it ended up not being as such because I thought I was going to be able to give you guys time off and I kind of, I messed that one up. Do you remember? Oh, I remember. I'm listening to you take ownership of it though. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, it's funny ever since then. Um, and for those you don't know, uh, Ed at one time, he, I wouldn't say he worked for me. He worked with me more than anything because I, I hate, you know, I just hated that idea. Uh, but, uh, I, I had told him and was it three others we had with us? at the time would you say yeah 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 so i told them that hey listen we're gonna do x y and z we're gonna do these things uh and and work real hard and i'll comp you guys on the side well i never got to comp them ever and ever since then that has bothered me um and it what what it did though is it created this mindset in my brain uh, exactly as such as as an executor and getting stuff done as stated is to never forget when you say something, you do it. <laughs> and I'm since then, it's, I mean, it's always my goal to make sure if I tell you I'm going to do something or I'm going to give you something, I'm going to do it no matter what, whatever the cost. Are you saying that as a senior leader, you still learn something from an experience? Oh, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's lifelong learning. How many times have we preached that so far? I think every episode now, we probably say it once or twice. That's my favorite. That might be my sneak in for every episode. A little lifelong learning. Yeah, I might have to get that mentioned every episode we do. I like that one. No, you know, though, I mean, and that's the thing, though. And it, I, I'm telling you right now, uh, with ne- our next episode that we're doing, I guarantee you're going to get fit in. Um, but n- neither here nor there. We're not talking about that. But it isn't key. It is, it is key and important to understand that no matter how old you are, you are still learning. No matter how senior rank you are, you need to still learn from those around you. Because I will tell you, you have not seen every situation. You have not seen every type of individual and their personalities, and you do not know it all. And that's, you're right, lifelong learning. It's great. Um, let's move on to uh, number four factor, uh, people manager. And what this is, is an, basically you create an atmosphere of trust, performance, standards, and competence. How would you do that, Ed? All right. So uh, people manager, well... I don't know. You really got to look at your team and you have to have a a firm understanding of that. Everybody's not the same. Right. And then you use that. I'm going to tell you one thing. I like to work. I cannot be idle. And I've always had a a good rapport with my soldiers to the point where I've never had an issue getting them to get a job done for me. I've always had them be very committed, sometimes a little overly committed. So I had a, a young soldier. She, she was awesome, but man, uh, uh, another soldier mispronounced my last name and that soldier came unglued cause she thought the soldier was being disrespectful. Hmm. So that was her commitment though. But I'm going to tell you what work for you all day, every day. She put in eight hours out in the sun in Iraq, chucking parts around, uh, like it was nobody's business. So that's, that comes from that, that leadership capital though. You built it up 
and you got that commitment from your soldiers and then you taught them. So you're, you're helping them to become competent. And, you know, in my example, when I took over that operation, soldiers helped me become competent. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think that a lot of this, the, the, how you manage your people is how you build your capital. And if you fail to manage your people effectively, then you're going to fail to build that leadership capital that's going to be very important to you at a later time. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we're going to talk about next episode, but I'm going to touch on right now it, um, with that managing people is talent management because talent management is key to performance standards and competence. They're going to, you're going to earn your trust through the atmosphere that you create, but talent management is going to allow that influencer or that leader to create good performance, hold steady standards and create competence among the group. Now, does that mean, okay, so if Ed is really, really good at writing, you know, and he's, he's just a great writer. I want him to format all the emails that that's all I have him do. No, what that is, is I may have Joe over here write something every once in a while, but I do need to use Ed's expertise and get him involved. That creates one, group dynamics, and two, it's allowing him to showcase his talents and an additional mentor, Joe. And that's where it's key. It's talent management. You don't want the most talented people always doing the same thing over and over and over again. One, they're going to get burnout. Two, they're not going to find any type of challenge in it. So you've got to, and then other people are going to want to get involved in something to learn something new. Lifelong learning will help them do that by using the right talents in the right spaces. You know, if somebody is very good at communicating, maybe I want them to be the person that uh, does a lot of customer service with someone, you know, you know, and we, we do it even in this, you know, people don't think, don't realize even in the military, we have to uphold customer service. We have customers within the military and and outside the military, and we still have to be able to uh, uphold some type of good standards in the customer service. So, you know, you train them and teach them, and that's how you create the atmosphere. But it can't be a hostile environment because once it is, people are going to do exactly what you tell them, and that is it. They don't go above and beyond. They're not going to try to make the place a better uh, organization. They're just not going to do more. And we've seen that, you and I, haven't we yet? Okay, so... That's what I was thinking about a, a soldier I had who uh, his NCO, his non-commissioned officer sergeant, relied on him too heavily. And the problem with that was that the rest of that squad was like, well, why do we need to do it? Such and such. Andy's going to do it. So why do we worry about it? Andy will do that. And, and, hey, we need somebody to unload these parts, get on the forklift. Well, just wait a minute. Andy will come out and do it. So it became a problem because he became Mr. Reliable. And then – the other soldiers kind of tuned out and was like, yeah, I don't need to do that. He's going to handle that. So it can definitely create, first of all, you're also creating a divide in your team too, because now maybe they're starting to not, not appreciate Andy as much. Maybe they're starting to push him out of the group. So you've affected that group dynamic as you spoke about. Absolutely. You know, I like to go back to something. I remember you um, a few episodes back, you had uh, talked about a day shift, night shift type situation. Well, I had the same type of situation and I will tell you people management and talent management really kicked in. And I guarantee you, I'm going to have guys that listen to this that used to work uh, with me uh, and they're gonna be like, yeah, he did do that. So, um, so I had NCOs, people who were in charge of certain sections. And then I also had the Joes, but what I did is I did not segregate a day shift and just a night shift with everyone. So I did, you had 12 on 12 off. 
the NCOs, they may have started at noon and midnight. The Joes started at six and six. So for instance, you're if you're an NCO, you get six hours with one group and then six hours with another group, and then it switches over. So what you do is you have this constant overlap. And what it did is, and I think I think they gained something from it. Uh, we were, I would, I'm not going to say we, because all I did was just there. I was running the show kind of thing, but they were the ones who were really running the show and really making it happen. And they were pushing uh, production like I'd never seen it before. Amazing every time. And I, I do want to say though, I think it was because of how we were able to create a group dynamic and everybody gained ownership because no longer could they say, oh, well, day shift did this or night shift did this. No, they couldn't because one, the NCOs, they had to have ownership for both shifts for six hours each. The Joes had to have ownership for theirs each also. And it really worked out well. Um, anything else on that, brother? I, I got to tell you, I kind of like the idea of the staggered uh the staggered shift you know i've never in my 20 plus years i've never been in a situation where i've seen that uh executed i've been in maintenance units with mechanics that had to work uh day shift night shift i've never seen a staggered like that and i think you really get some good buy-in yeah uh with the with both really because the ncos are going to see both soldiers because that becomes a problem right when evaluations roll around then the ncos are like uh, they're going to write this counseling on the soldier and the soldier is going to say, well, how you don't work with me. I work day shift. You work night shift. You prevented that. So that's um, I like that. That's pretty creative. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's uh, at least three people uh, or actually four people off the top of my head. It's going to be Chris Tillman, William Crabtree, Nick Ho, and then um, James Hartson. <laughs> Those guys. They will all identify with this and be like, yeah, he did do this. And I'm telling you, they could even say it worked or didn't work. They're going to prove me right or wrong when they make a comment uh, about this show later on. Because I guarantee you, I know of at least two of them that listen to this uh, right now. <laughs> That's going to be funny. I'll look forward to their comments. <laughs> I do too. All right. So fifth element. Fifth element within this uh, individual domain of leadership rating. Leadership differentiator. Basically. Walk the talk, how you walk the talk as a leader, that can be very key. If I say I do, or you will do this and I do opposite, one, how am I upholding a standard that's been created? Two, how is it possible that we can continue performance in a positive manner if I just have to do what you say and that's it and you can't do it also? You know, uh, it's walking the talk is very important to me. Uh, I know on my, for me as an influencer for you, Ed, what would you say about walking that talk? Well, you know, in our world, what they call it, right? Lead by example. And you gotta, as, as in any leadership position, you you should be the example. I can't tell you to go, uh, let's say uh, I used to work in an auto plant making uh, welding mufflers. I can't tell you that my expectation is that you're going to weld 75 mufflers uh, on your shift, let's say. And nobody's ever done that number before. You've never seen me even weld. And I'm going to be sitting in the break room. So you come to break. And every time you come to break, I've already been on break, comfortable watching sports highlights. And about every two hours, you see me pop by your workstation. 
Okay, I'm not leading by any kind of example. And if productivity needed to be increased, then maybe I should have got behind a welder and done a few at least, you know what I mean, to try to help. And by doing that, I would have built some kind of trust in a relationship and some leadership capital with you. So you can't expect something that you aren't showing the what right looks like. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you can do it, then they can do it. If you can't do it, then why in the world are they doing it? That would be that would be my answer every time, every single time, you know? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So even if you go into any other job, civilian job, I can't tell you, hey, I expect you to be here 10 minutes prior to, you know, clocking in. And I show up 10 minutes after, five minutes after, maybe right on the dot. Where, where's the line at? Like that. So my expectation of you is higher than what it is of myself. And I'm not walking that walk. So. All right. So what we covered was the five factors of individual domain for leadership rating index. And those were uh, the personal proficiency, strategist, executor, people manager, and leadership differentiator. But what I do want to state that this is not is draconian. And if you know anything about what draconian is, that's, I mean, it's, (laughs) I'll put it this way. Draconian will create the environment and the work where everyone wants to leave as soon as possible. And they do not want to be a part of the organization anymore. Leaders cannot be full of demand and bark uh, out orders or whatever, like, you know, through the draconian method. Uh, But so let's look at this. Draconian describes laws or rules that are really harsh in reprisal. Uh, In ancient Athens, Draco was a guy who made some seriously strict laws. So rules that are too restrictive or just plain unfair are called draconian. And people um, often, when it comes to that leadership index, uh, you know, the rating system, they will confuse how they perform or how, you know, everything is about performance. Yes, it is about performance, but not as the influencer, the leader. It's about the people. Let the people who are working with you or for you determine the performance or, or how important the performance is. Now, do you you do have to set that vision that it's very important, but it's your job to be the example, be the hard worker, be the understander, walk the talk, and create that dynamic within the group. All right. Uh, so we've covered that area. And now what we're going to get into is the five factors of organizational culture, which will help you as the influencer and leader. Uh, First thing, you're right off the bat. Number one, cultural capability. How we put others before ourselves. How do we do that, Ed? Well, there's a lot of ways. So, you know, if you have a guy and, you know, he's, say you got a guy, he's working, he's taking every piece of overtime and he's just go, 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 go. Maybe you can look for a way to kind of give him a break from whatever it is he does. So let's say if he's in a factory situation, maybe you get him off of his piece of equipment for a little while and maybe you man it or maybe you do something else. Uh, Maybe you have him help with some filing. You know, like I said, it's been a while since I've been a civilian, but you can help by trying to help them recognize these things. Look, know your people. Knowing your people is key because knowing your people lets you identify things that are wrong with your people. It lets you tell when your people are being burnt out. It lets you tell when your people maybe have some heavy stuff going on at home. And then that's where you as a leader can respond and react. And that showing of caring will help you to build some more leadership capital with them. Absolutely. And that's where it is. If you put them before yourself, they will put you 
Uh, you know, we talked about how many times have we talked about this uh, with Simon Sinek's book, you know, uh, uh, Leaders Eat Last. He talks about it in there where it's if you put them first, they will in turn put you first and the mission first. It's a and, and that's how you grow. You know, you create that culture of capability. Um, I can't I can't stress enough um, of if somebody has somebody sick in their organization. Take the time to find out what's going on and if you can do anything to help. Maybe it's maybe it's you know clocking them out or or or, or allowing them to take off for a little while uh, to catch their breath. Maybe because they're exhausted or maybe they're stressing out. That's I'm gonna tell you right now. Sickness is one thing. Stress you don't see it all the time until it's too late. And if you're not being observant and creating that culture within, you may have somebody all of a sudden that just loses their wits. And next thing you know, now you've got a real problem on hands because you have somebody who's not there anymore. Or we could, I can reference you back to the episode we did about suicide and that's a scary situation. So creating that culture. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I absolutely agree with you. Like uh, it could be a very scary situation, you know? And then, so you got that person stressed and then maybe their productivity goes down. And like you said, we'd like not to think about it, but um, I mean, it, it could get really, really scary, and then you're going to left to figure out what was your fault and all that. So it's important. We're going to get into the next, the next little area called talent management. Talent management is the next step in the five factors of organizational culture. How we hire according to talents and develop inside and outside those talents. We talked about it earlier. So talent management, how we hire. Um, you remember what we used to do when we would hire new instructors, Ed? Yeah, I remember. Tell us about it. Uh, so basically, the instructor would come in, and we all had these uh, these binders that were provided by us uh, for us. They were doctrine, and it had different questions in different areas, and we would all ask them these questions to to conduct our evaluation. Now, it is a good thing, but I always had a problem with it, and I don't think I ever really told you that. I had a problem with it just because. In the military, we do boards all the time, right? And we know what you want to hear. And a lot of times, I feel like people can give you those answers that you want to hear. Now, some of them were genuine. Some of them were legit, great answers. You know, they deserved the position. But, you know, you have to admit, we didn't 100% of the time bring in the right person based off of those questions and their responses. So um, we had you had to be careful. And we, we, we learned that. I learned that sitting on those uh, those panels. Uh, the importance of the the managing the talent that's coming into your organization, and you can see the impact that it that it had. And, and and to tell you the truth, at times it's scary to think about that, and that maybe we missed the mark for somebody. But I would tell you the one thing I liked about that that I out of all the years in the service, I had never because I went through the same I went through the same hiring process where I had to go get interviewed for that job within that organization. I'd never experienced that before. And I tell you the truth, I think I think if more organizations did that, brought you in, had an intimate conversation though, not a because that was we did make it out like kind of like a board. And I think people may have been nervous or just spit it out the answers. But if you create that intimate or you know, especially when you're looking for somebody in such key roles as what we were doing. But you create the intimate uh, situation where people want to talk about it and they really want to uh, kind of develop who they are to you or present who they are to you. You know, 
a, a resume. You know, obviously on the outside sector, they already do stuff kind of like that. Uh, I can definitely tell you there's a great, great book that goes over this entire concept. It's called The Ideal Tune Player by Patrick Lencioni. Um, that was a great book. I had to read it actually for my bachelor's degree uh, some years back. But I would tell you that the way he breaks it down in that book, it goes through a wonderful story, like a leadership fable. But then in the end, it actually goes through the entire module or the, the, the model of how you go about you know, creating the right organization by picking the right people the right way. Um, but I'll tell you, in all my years, I never thought about the army or, or any type of organization in the army having an interview process. And I just wish it was, I, I, you know what, you're right. I think we should have done just a little bit different, but I loved it. What you got, brother? Yeah, I think, well, one, you need to make sure you put that, uh, the show notes, you need to make sure you put that book in there. And uh, Oh, I will. The other thing is, I think we should have refined it. We could have refined the process a little bit. So my thing I always uh, uh, wanted to do was, I thought it would be interesting to bring in the level that we were hiring for. So basically the worker bee, right? So the, the, the staff sergeant, the actual instructor, instructor, I think we should have had uh, carefully selected one of them and they should have been part of the interview process because they knew what it was in the classroom. They knew what it takes a little bit better. You know, you taught for a while, I taught for a while, but then we were removed and towards the end, you know, we we're a little removed from the situation. I just thought it would have added to, but we could have refined it. Um, and that, and that's, I agree. We something like this should be going on uh, elsewhere, and you could use this in the civilian world when you do those hires. You could do a, uh, and they may do it again. Been a little while. There may be a, a thing where they have like a kind of a panel like that to interview you for certain uh, for certain jobs. So. Oh yeah, I will definitely put that uh, that book in the show notes and leave a link. <laughs> Once again, I will tell people that we have no affiliation with anything that we brought up and we put in the show notes. So if you buy it, it's not like we get anything for it. We're just trying to create that free share of information so you can understand where we're coming from and and just you know it it makes it nice to be able to give something to someone else. And that's what we want to do. All right. So let's, uh, number three, number three under factors of organizational culture is performance accountability. This is key because to me, this is on that same level of ownership, not just the ownership of the overall person, but ownership of each individual. What are the reinforcements that you are doing for good or bad? And how do you create the excitement for them to have performance accountability? What do you think, Ed? Well, I'm a big fan of the performance accountability both ways, because I think that if you are a poor performer, then it should reflect somewhere. Uh, and, you know, you do evaluations and all this stuff and people get raises. But what else? What else can we do? You know, I, you know, we, some jobs um now the movie popped in my head, but some jobs have an employee of the month program and, you know, that's a form of um, performance uh, accountability. That's recognizing them for good behavior. It's reinforcing. Um, it's making them want to do something. Civilians that work on post have these, uh, you can do ICE comments, ICE comments, and they get different things. Some of them get like, you know, hours off. This, you, they can, you know, cash in for some time off. Uh, they can cash in for some kind of other incentive. So those things drive your your, your program. It makes you want to. And the other thing is, so is the leadership. We can't be afraid 
to acknowledge somebody's performance. Um, but we also can't reward them for doing their job. I think you see that a little bit too much, especially in what we do sometimes. I'm not rewarding you for doing your job, but when you do something exceptional or you do your job very well on a on a consistent basis, then there should be some sort of recognition for that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I would tell you, that makes that kind of brings me to a, a point that I'm going to put a challenge out there for some of our listeners. Uh, and this is just a kind of a side thing. So we have our closed Facebook group page. We have a lot of involvement going on. And I'm telling you, I've read... I read every single thing on there. I know Ed does too, because we both seem to comment a lot of stuff and we may not both comment on the same things, but we do. This is what we're going to do performance wise as part of our group. If you're a part of that group, we're going to start monitoring the amount that you're you know, providing. And I think we, I, I really think we can start to, I think we should start uh, kind of giving little freebies here and there for people, you know, the stuff obviously we're buying or, you know, out of our pocket, you know, for the show wise, where, you know, if you're the top uh, poster for the the month, hey, we'll shoot you a, a sticker, or, you know, something that we've we've gotten made. Uh, I Because I really think that that's a good point. Now, on the flip side, what if you're somebody who's got a, who's a, has a negative attitude within our group? How do we, how do we handle that? Cause that, I mean, to me, that's, that's just as important, you know, you know, uh, we don't want people to be in the mediocre area, but we really don't want those negative vibes. Um, and that's why we have those rules when people read through our rules, um, before they post or when they join that way, they understand what's going on. I don't, I don't want to talk about the bad side of things because really I want to create excitement. That's excitement to be a part of the group, to be a part of the influencers, the instinctive influencers. All right. So what do you think, Ed? I, first of all, I like your little uh, promo into the show. I thought that was awesome. It's a good thing, though. You throw a little promo out there, you know, our own little state station identification. Yeah, no, I think that we um, we we really want to we want people to be excited about the show because we want the people to. It almost sounds kind of cheesy. We want them to take ownership in the show because it's their show. Uh, we decided to make it very interactive and. We need them to be involved. I think that uh, the sticker thing is a, a good deal. Um, I, you know, obviously some kind of recognition that, hey, it's great. I know for me, if I post something and if somebody replies, I get excited by that because we all like that instant gratification, right? So even in our page, <laughs> even in our page, when people respond to what I say, I like it. I like it. If it's a counterpoint, I still like it. Oh, yeah. I enjoy it, too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I enjoy it so much that it's like, I wonder what people are going to say to add to it so I can learn from them. Because really, like we said, lifelong learning, there it goes again. Oh no, he said it oh, again, no. <laughs> but that's where I want us to be able to go. Yeah. Uh, but let's get excited about this. Let's start posting more and enjoy those discussion posts that we're doing every week. All right. Um, let's go to number four, information flow, otherwise known as communication, open dialogue, helps the lack of talk and it incubates the uh, less less amount of failure. So if you have a lack of talk, you're going to have more failure. More talk, less failure. What do you think about it? Uh, I think that uh, communication is very important. I also will tell you that I think you should listen twice as much as you speak. I've heard that somewhere before. And I mean, if you listen twice as much as you speak, then you know what you know, and you know what they know too, because you let them speak instead of stepping on them 
or trying to talk over them or any of the other craziness. You know what they know and you know what you know now because you were an effective listener and as a big part of communication. And so is feedback. I hate to talk to somebody and they just stare at me. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's like, yeah, what do you think? Like, do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you want me to like get lost? Effective uh, feedback is, is good. Feedback can be simple as a head nod. It can be, okay, that's it. That I gave some kind of feed. Okay, you heard what I said. Okay, then I can follow up with, well, what do you think about what I said? You know, something else. So communication, just like in a marriage, same thing in leadership, it's super important. And the worst thing you can have happen is your subordinates to get information from somebody else within the organization. The information flow should come from you to your subordinates. You don't want your subordinates to find out, hey, at, at 1400, two o'clock today, we have a meeting and they found it out from a supervisor in a complete opposite end of the building. That's not what you want. Because that means your communication flow to your subordinates is not effective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's and that and that's why I say, you know, communication will create that flow that will help create more performance or basically win you're winning when you communicate uh and, and it's i mean you and i how much do we communicate about the show and everything that we're doing with this show it's like it's almost like we talk every day i mean we talk as much as we did when you were here yeah we at least um at least email or message each other pretty much every day about it but but that's because we want this product to be so good and we we're we have a vested interest we've bought into it um so, yeah, we, we want to talk about it. We want to make sure that we give the best possible product we can. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on to the number five, which is our last one uh, of the factors of organizational culture. Number five, work on how we go about daily practices. Uh, with this, it, this includes uh, initiating needed change for the greater good. So how you go about your daily practices uh, within the organization Basically, you create what we call in the services a battle rhythm. And if you can get that battle rhythm rolling, and then every once in a while you tweak it just a little bit more to make it better. But don't you don't start a battle rhythm and then within one week you change it. You have to understand, you know, you have to see the rhythm take place first. And then once the rhythm's taking place, then you can kind of roll into, all right, well, I'm noticing this within our 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 daily practices. How about we try this and it may help us with an uptick. It may not, but then you can, you can obviously remove it and try something different, but you have to allow a battle rhythm to get started to create that muscle memory or that daily practices for positive performance. Yeah. So I just got to this new assignment in October, right? And they gave me a copy of their battle rhythm and I was like, okay, got it. And I worked through their battle rhythm for about 30 days or so. And then a little silly stuff, but silly stuff that I felt like was going to make things better. Like, okay, I have to, you know, I have to get receive reports and they were sending a reminder out and they weren't giving them a deadline. We'll have it to us by Friday. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's bump that a little bit because I'm waiting on this report so that I can forward that report. Right. And I'm not going home till that report gets forwarded. So if I don't give you a timeline, Hey, as long as it's done Friday, well, if you send it at five o'clock Friday afternoon, 1700, now I have to do my piece. So you put me back. So I looked at the battle rhythm. I said, okay, well, what if I send out a reminder on Thursday and said, hey, prior to 1300, 1 p.m., which is the end of lunch, 
have your report to me and then I can compile it and I can forward it. And it, they started doing it. It was just a matter of changing up the rhythm. Um, you know, the old, this is how we've always done it. And I just changed it so we can make things better. And it took me a month and a half before I really was like, okay, let me try to just change and see where we go with it. You know? So you don't want to do it immediate because I got to understand how things flow. So that's kind of an example to me of changing up a battle rhythm. And the other thing, when you were talking, it, it really something I thought you were always pretty good at. I would come to you and say, Hey, why do we do things like this? And you would try to explain it to me. And I'd say, well, have you ever thought of this? And if it was a good idea, you'd be like, Hey, you know what? I'll talk to you know my boss about it. And if it wasn't, you would take the time to show me how it wasn't a good idea and make it make sense to me. Now, did we always agree when I walked out your office? No, but you took that time and you built that leadership capital in me. That I was like, okay, he at least listens. And he doesn't just say, yeah, no, that's not going to work and leave it at that. You gave an explanation. So now I understood the why of, you know, why you were saying no to me. Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate that comment. Um, I would definitely tell you that it reminds me it may, in my mind, when people bring you new information, it reminds me of the task of brainstorming. And when we teach brainstorming, it's you accept all possible answers from everyone. Nothing is bad. And then once you received it, then you start dissecting those, but you still got to receive, you got to be in receive mode, you know, and that's part of those daily practices. I think about what you just said about doing the reports. You got into this battle rhythm. You received it. You accepted it. But then you thought, oh, some ownership on your part. I need to do this to tweak it, to make it better for me to be a better performer. And that's what it's about. So is it just the influencer that can, you know, set the daily practices and battle rooms? No, it can be anyone. But the influencer can help they can help others create their own battle because I can tell you, I can say for sure, whether it be in the military, whether it be in the civilian sector, whether it be in your personal family life, not everyone is good at creating that battle rhythm. Um, that, that takes time to understand how someone functions or even how your own self functions. And well, personally, some people are just not that in tune with themselves and they may need help, but an influencer can help them not by forcing a battle rhythm on them, but offering up a battle rhythm and say, Hey, have you ever thought about this? And then present it to them. If they want it, they keep it. If they don't, so be it. But you offered it as an influencer and you're trying to help make positive change. What you got, Ed, anything else? Yeah. I mean, the battle rhythm is important and you can actually, so I've discovered you can actually have a battle rhythm at home. I, I'm, of course, uh, children throw a, a little bit of a monkey wrench into that sometimes, but uh, you can have a battle rhythm at home. Hey, we know, that on these nights we're going to, I'm cooking or my wife's cooking. And we know these nights, this one's doing the dish. We know on Sunday, I'm going to probably procrastinate and do my homework. And we have a rhythm and, and it helps there too. So it's not just something you use at work or in the military. You can use it anywhere. And you adjust. One of the big things we learned in the military, right? After action review, you always look at things and you say, okay, how could this be better? And it's, it, why not at home? Why can't I say, well, you know, my wife's really tired and she had to work night shifts. So why can't I start cooking on that night of the week? So I think it's important. I think all of this is important. I think building leadership capital is, I think it's crucial. 
I think without leadership capital, the soldier's not going to secede or the subordinate. I think without building that leadership capital, that leader is going to fail. That's absolutely going to happen because he doesn't have the buy-in from his subordinate. So when he needs that subordinate to come out of their comfort zone, when he needs that subordinate to do something a little bit extra, it's not there because they don't have that loyalty to him. Absolutely. I would definitely say. I say him, but it could be either. Yeah, him, her, whatever. Um, I, I definitely agree. So paying that bill, if you don't understand what paying that bill is, it's an unspoken fee that you owe as a leader, your leadership fee that you owe to be able to become in that position. So think about it that way. Yeah, You may have paid the bill, you think, because you've earned that level, but you earn that with other, usually with the seniors above you. You have to still earn it from those who work for you. Um, and you gain that leadership capital as such. Well, that was pay the bill for leadership capital. Uh, we gave you the five factors of individual domain for leadership rating index. And then we gave you the five factors of organizational culture. What we want you to hear from you about is how can you effectively pay the bill for leadership capital in either work life, family life, school life, or just on your own? Because sometimes we have to learn that we have to lead ourselves and we have to pay that bill to understand how we lead ourselves. So give us give us a comment. Uh, you'll see it in the Facebook page. How do you earn pay your bill for your leadership capital in one of those areas? Do you have anything else, Ed? No, I think we did. Uh, I think it was an excellent show today. I thought it was, it was super interesting and hopefully it's going to be helpful to all of our listeners. Well, with that, we don't want to leave you uh, empty-handed. We want to say thank you very much for listening. We need you to go on whatever format, whether it be you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you're listening on Google Play or Google Podcasts, or you're listening on Spotify. Uh, those are the ones that we're primarily on right now. Please go on there and then share it. Share it with somebody else. Uh, we need you to, to be involved, and that's how we know if we're doing well or not. Uh, with that, I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Thank you very much. Have a nice day.